0: Welcome back to Fret Buzz the Podcast. In today's episode, we get into part two with Miles Harshman all about mods for the guitar, amp, and pedals. First, we reveal the mystery roommate, dun dun dun, and then we get into modding the guitar a little bit, and then we dive pretty deep into modding amps, all about tubes and tubes versus solid state, rectifier tubes, and we get into a pretty deep discussion about biasing, the huge dangers of poking and prodding around inside of an amp, and then we get into the big subject of capacitors at the end, and wrapping it all up, Miles lets us know uh, what his upcoming 2019 Plans are. I will say, really quick, head on over to iTunes, give us a review, visit us over on Fret Buzz the Podcast. And here we go. Thanks for listening. Who was your roommate, Miles?
1: uh, Adam Neely. That, that guy. It's very weird. I, I talked, I talked to Aaron one day and I was like, Hey, you ever hear of this guy, Adam Neely? He's got like this YouTube channel. And I'm if you wife, you're watching this, you probably have probably heard of Adam Neely. yeah, yeah that guy, that guy was my roommate.
0: That's crazy. Wow. Fun.
1: World. Yeah. First year at Berkeley. I remember we were moving into the dorms and he was on his bunk bed reading. <laughs>
0: Yeah, now he's, he, now he's giving TED talks. <laughs> yeah, now he's giving
1: TED talks, and I can just tell you, he was just as smart back then as he is now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, this easily one of the smartest people I ever met at that school. Like, okay. I mean, everybody everybody knew knew Adam Neely just because I mean it's, it's Adam Neely. Like, right guy guy can play piano just as well as he plays bass, and he did both upright and electric. Yeah. He didn't get to study. Berkeley doesn't let you study both upright and electric, but he could still do both. And that's <laughs> that's that's an accomplishment in itself. Yeah. And then yeah, just watch
2: him play. It's bizarre that they won't let you know. For all of it, sounds like Berkeley lets you do anything and every. I mean, they've got so many different ensembles and special things. It's strange that they wouldn't let you study both upright and electric. In a
1: way, I mean, kind of. In a way, yes, but, like, the both are so demanding and so different that, like, you would probably get carpal tunnel if they tried to make you, like, do their curriculum in, like, four years for either or, because they have, like, a whole curriculum for your instrument, like, you know, if you're a guitarist, they have classes just for guitar, um, and for, like, electric bass, they have... Just the classes for electric bass. So you just and don't have
2: the time to do not
1: you, you didn't have the time. I think that's kind of mostly your thing. It's just that, like, you just won't have the time. Uh, I mean, there's just so many classes at that school. Yeah,
0: that's what I was getting from Cole. And, and obviously now from you, Miles, is it's just there's so many options at, at Berkeley. It's just it's almost overwhelming.
1: Yeah, it's, sometimes it, it is overwhelming. Like, I remember the first semester, um <laughs> Looking through the course manual was kind of like looking through, I don't know, like Musicians Friend Catalog, right. just, you turn the page, and it's like, I see this, I want this, like, I want to take that class, I want to take this class, I want to take this class. Yeah. I think I made an entire schedule of, like, electives that I wanted to take, only to realize, oh, there's, like, required stuff, like, ear <laughs> training, and... <laughs> Right. Music theory, you know right. the jazz theory and the classical theory, and conducting yeah. and arranging, and oh, and I have to take an English class and no, all that. This is lame. Like right. so, I was like left with like three spots for electives, Right. but I I could have filled up the whole my entire schedule with like ten or twelve of them.
0: Yeah, yeah it's kind of unfortunate that you, that you miss out on so much. You know, you, there's so many things that you want to take, and yeah,
1: you have to. Yeah, there's only so there's only so many hours in the in the day, yeah. you know. And even like towards the end of my my time there, when my schedule was much more free, it was still like I don't have the time in the day to like take all this, or just the the times that they would have for the classes just wouldn't work out. So even right. if you really want to take a class, there might be only like two meetings of it, and it's during the time that your other required classes have to meet. Right. So, right. yeah. You just gotta miss out,
0: yeah. Two like, competing classes or something. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, which one?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes that, or sometimes even at Berkeley, they uh, they have a rating system, and so you need to be a certain level to take certain classes, right? Or join certain ensembles. So if you're not like a six, like you know, you're, you're gonna you're gonna fail, right? <laughs> Too bad. It's gonna be really hard, like. Yeah. And all the classes that I took that had a requirement, like yeah, they definitely, I definitely would have failed if I didn't have you know this thing under my belt. Right.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
0: All right. So getting back into uh, modding, uh, we've talked a little bit about guitar. I'd like to talk a little bit about like pedals and amps, because um, I think that's another area where a lot of people kind of have a lot of questions on in terms of what that exactly means in terms of modding um if somebody gets something modded uh, a lot of people i know for me at a young age when i was um playing when i heard somebody was getting their amp modded or something like that i was just always like i know that's a thing but i have no idea what that means um so i'm sure that there are A lot of people out there who would like to kind of get an idea of what that world means in terms of, um, yes, obviously amps, but also starting with pedals.
1: Um, Mods are, I I mean, they're just really your way to just try and get new sounds from what you already have. I mean, for me, it was mostly just uh, in the beginning, like, I guess the series parallel switches and then even some, I guess, like tone caps. Just changing like the cap that's or capacitor that's connected to your uh, tone knob. Um, that's kind of where my venture into mods started. But yeah, once you kind of learn a little bit how, well, if you just change this one thing here and one little thing there, you get kind of a really different sound. Um, you know, anyone who's just changed their pickups has figured that out probably. Mm-hmm. Or just the simplest thing you can do to your amp is change the speaker. Sometimes even from like some amp text that's like the first mod they would suggest it's just right. change, just change the speaker and you might find something you like. Right. That like totally fixes everything. or
0: Yeah. One of the most, one of the, one of the more simpler things that you could do is change yeah. the speaker.
2: And the yeah. tubes too. Make a tubes. Oh, yeah, tubes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: very much so. But yeah, well then, then you start getting into the guts of it and you start t- talking about capacitors and, resistors
1: and- yeah yeah so I I guess I kind of built this amp so it's I'm pulling it out so I can kind of show you underneath so it's moddable mm-hmm. um, so you see underneath here some mm-hmm. extra drill holes and stuff I got some switches so like these I added some fat switches so I can have a channel independent fat switch For either channel, channel 1 or channel 2. This is uh, like modding the uh, distortion stage in the JCM-800. So I can be like JCM-800 or like a 5150 or something high gain or whatever. And what else did I put in? I think if I show you. There's a master volume. It'll burn your finger if you touch the power (laughs) tubes. Right back there. And gosh, I did so much to this thing. Let me flip the camera around. This is probably the coolest mod I did to this amp, in my opinion. That changes the tone stack from, like, Fender Vox to Marshall. So, yeah, I mean, Aaron heard this. That really changes where the mid frequencies are lined up. So, you know, you're... You put it up here and it's got like kind of a bass mini sound. You put it in the middle and it really scoops the hell out of it, like your typical Fenders and Marshals or Fenders and Voxes. And then the last one is your Marshall tone stack, and that's definitely sounds the most marshally. It's even got like some volume kick to it, so yeah. pushes it extra hard. And yeah, that was this amp is just kind of basically my attempt to make a an easily moddable JCM-800 slash JTM-45.
2: Sounds like you spent much more time uh, working on the amp than playing, which...
1: Yeah, well, this thing, yeah, definitely. Like, I put that guitar together, I don't know, in like a couple days. This thing was, God, an annoying amount, annoyingly long amount of designing. Right. um, Because I didn't want to just copy someone's circuit, and also no one has kind of done what I did in a way. But also what I did was just kind of hard, or at least uh, the one issue I have is that when I change channels, there's a loud audible pop. Hmm. Yeah, like boom, pop. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's not the worst, but I mean, it's noticeable. So if you were in a band, you would probably think, was that an extra kick drum? (laughs) 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 Or did he just, the the drummer would be like, did I just hit the snare? Like, and not hit the snare? Or, you know, (laughs) like, and I I realized that that's something that, like, Randall Smith of Mesa has, like, learned to design around. And that's kind of why his amps kind of command such a high price. He's got some patents to help him get rid of this pop and do all sorts of other crazy stuff inside. Or even some of it's not even crazy. It's just, it's like simple mods, but the guy got to the patent office before everybody else. Mm. So that's why you don't see a rectifier switch on any any amplifiers. Fun fact.
2: What does the rectifier switch do?
1: Uh, it changes uh, the how the amp is rectifying the AC to DC. So your power transformer um, takes the 120 volts AC mm-hmm. and turns it into... A couple different voltages, like six volts for the heaters, probably 50 volts for the bias voltage, and then the 330 volts for the power tubes and running everything else, mm-hmm. the main power, the main power source. So you go from 120 volts AC to about 330 volts AC, and then after that, you need to rectify it. So to go from AC to DC, just like the band. Um, alternating current to direct current, and um, from that, that DC powers everything in the amp. So uh, solid you can have two different ways of rectifying the amp, and uh, one would be the old-school valve way, if you have a valve rectifier um, or tubes, yes, and then uh, you could also have a solid-state rectifier, which means that you're using diodes. Um, and so each has their different kind of feel. Um, even though they both do the same thing, the tube rectifier kind of behaves in a different way um, that kind of has more of that give that we've been talking about, right. that, we're, that we were talking about earlier when the amplifier kind of gives up when you hit it really hard or, or just playing loud and it seems to have not that immediacy and bass response. Um, the capacitor is feeding that stage and not capacitor, the rectifier is feeding that capacitor at that stage. Um, and whether you have a tube rectifier or a solid state rectifier will really change the feel. So um, like in a JCM 800, you would want to have a solid state rectifier for that immediacy for the, uh, the output stage. Cause it's trying to be driven so hard. Um, but say in like a GTM 45, even though I don't have it in this, like you might want the tube rectifier because it just kind of lends itself to feeling what, I guess, what we call spongy It's the word I was probably wanting to use earlier. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's just that where it feels like it's giving in. Um, and yeah, that's just, it's a simple switch of just changing where the electricity is going to and from. But it is a patent in the United States Patent Office. So, Ooh. Mesa, yeah. Gur. <laughs> Grr. right? It's so simple, but patent. And there you go.
2: I actually did a I did a project back in school in a this is like a musical technology class, um, looking at the difference between tubes and diodes and it, it's kind of cool the the best analogy i heard was somebody comparing it to a like a check valve in the plumbing system and exactly like essentially you got ac current coming in which is going back and forth like at the speed of electricity like super fast Be light and yeah and uh, when it hits either the two tu- like a tube it actually lets the electricity those electrons go through and it they jump from the from whatever one part is to the plate on the other side yeah from and, the you know, the
1: cathode to the plate and yes in, in a tube there's something called a, a screen grid that uh kind of is like the gate in between to control how much electrons make it to the plate from the cathode
2: hmm. yeah so instead of like a back and forth it's just like Pulses in one yeah. direction.
1: Yeah. So in, in a tube, it's like there's like an input, and then there, to say, it's kind of weird to look at it like there's an input and an output, but because um, where the output is, is also where you apply the tons of voltage. So you have like a cathode that's tied to ground somehow, the screen grid, which is where your signal comes in, and also somehow is helping you kind of bias the tube in some way, which is like basically controlling how on the tube is, how loud that signal is going to be, how much of it's going to come through. Um, That's basically what that is.
2: So, um, yeah. Yeah, so a diode, going back to the tube versus diode, like the diode does the same thing, but through that little tiny electrical component... The diode is just kind of like a vacuum tube.
1: It's kind of like a one-way gate where there's no screen, so it's just allowing uh, voltage, in this case, to go in one direction and not come back the other direction. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a one-way gate in that sense. But our tubes are kind of like a gate that we can control with voltage. And then that's kind of what transistors became as well. It's all really...
0: Is there a a distinct difference between the diode versus the tube in terms of
1: rectifier? Um, The difference in just that, well, the the tube rectifier will absorb some voltage. So you'll get what we call voltage drop. You're just going to, it's just going to take away like 40 or 30 or depending on the tube, you're just going to lose some voltage. So in that sense, um, not only are you just having a tube rectifier, but, which has limits on how big that reserve capacitor can be, which is that immediacy sponginess we're talking about. Right. But also just where the voltage is for the plates of the power tubes. And that's kind of like, you know, if, are we just turning the volume up or down a little bit? Like one thing that Tweed amps are famous for is having low plate voltages, meaning the amp despite it being, say, like turned all the way up, the tubes aren't running as hot as they could be, so they will start to overdrive quicker. Right. And so that's kind of where we could say it has a browner sound because the the plate voltage supplying the tubes is really low. And say in your Hot Rod Deluxe, that thing that's super clean or that twin that's also super, super clean, the plate voltage is really, really, really high. In both of those amps it's almost as high as it possibly can be. So those tubes are amplifying as loud as possible and as clean as possible.
2: Wow. And so by browner sound, you mean like brown fender brown face versus a, a no, black brown, face or
1: not brown face, no. Brown is in like brown is I guess like that the the breakup that we're talking about. That that breakup occurs sooner when we have an amp that has lower voltage. Okay. So I get that brown would just be like another term for like tubey and warm. And um, so some old guys would kind of refer to that breakup is kind of a browner sound. Okay. When you don't have any headroom and it just kind of sounds gnarly and good.
2: I haven't heard that, but I'm going to start using it. <laughs> it's a good term.
1: I mean, so let me just ask you, your Princeton reverb, does it have a rectifier tube? Um, I
2: believe it does. Sorry,
1: I'm gonna well, I'm, I'm gonna need to refer to some schematics here for a second, but um
2: it's got yeah, it's got a single 5AR4 rectifier tube.
1: Okay, so give me a second here, rectifier tube chart. Because I can tell you to substitute a tube and you'll be able to hear the brownness just switching back and forth.
2: Just be- by the t- Sorry, t-tube. yeah, no. Just
1: just switching these two rectifier tubes will change the plate voltage to your uh, to your power tubes, mm. and you'll be able to hear that. Okay, like my tube's running at this voltage, definitely sounds a hell of a lot cleaner than this other voltage. What Would you say it was AR four?
2: It's a five AR four. Okay, so that's okay. You've got one point nine. And
1: yeah so that's that is only dropping ten volts from the main voltage supply
2: so it's not a whole lot like so you're... it's not
1: it's not dropping a lot. that doesn't mean that you won't have sponginess it just means that the the transformer its design uh, for the voltage that it's supposed to get you're getting very close to that um, if you put in a this should still work. If you put in a 5V4, you would get uh, 25 volts drop instead of 10. Okay. So you would, you would hear a little more. Um, I'm trying to remember. Is the Princeton one of those Fender amps that runs? Fender is it's kind of notorious for running tubes at really, really high voltages. And I think your Princeton might be one of them. I know the Deluxe is. Like, a Deluxe is actually running its tubes hotter than they should be, like, design-wise. It's, like, a wonder that they don't blow up. Right. (laughs) But, yeah, like, I don't know why Fender did this. I guess just to get as much volume as possible. But you said Fender Princeton reissue?
2: Yeah, it's a 68 reissue. But so... If I was to switch that out, I'm essentially going to get more breakup, but less clean headroom.
1: Yeah, more. it's just going to happen sooner. And then also, not only would it happen sooner, but you just might notice a slight reduction in overall volume. Um, not a lot, not like cutting it in half, but like, say, losing, I don't know, just a couple
2: percent, maybe. Mm-hmm.
1: Perceived. So, um,
2: how, ahead, I guess for me, like, I'm tomorrow night for new year's eve i'm playing in a a jazz quartet for a pretty big room and i think i'm gonna bring my hot rod just because i'm worried about volume like we're not gonna have a full sound guy so i need the clean headroom yeah with with my princeton for recording i i do want it to break up sooner because i it's just a lot easier on my ears to sit there and not blast myself i don't have like a separate closet to put the amp in but is that something I could I could get that 5v4 tube and just switch it out if I was going to go in the studio or record my yeah,
1: yeah, you would just be able to switch it in and out. It's actually one of the tubes that you could kind of replace it while the amp is on. Um, you like, would
2: touch it and pull it out well, while it is.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, obviously not while it's hot, but I mean, like, it, I mean, in the first couple of minutes before it gets, you know, lightning hot, yeah, you could take it out and put it in and no, not – wouldn't really hurt anything because it's at a strategic point in the amplifier.
2: So could you do that and you don't, you don't need to re bias or you don't have to do anything else. You just literally switch out the tube.
1: Uh, Yeah. In that case. Yeah. Um, because you're going from um, higher voltage to a lower voltage. So yeah, you wouldn't really need to re bias it. If you're going the other way around, you maybe would worry a little bit if you didn't have enough bias voltage.
2: Okay. Um, so that's what- problem i would be switching back to the other
1: Mm -hmm. but i mean you could you could definitely set up your amp to take both and and not have to worry about it um there's definitely like a middle ground you could find where you could have two tubes and no matter what your amp is always going to be biased well i mean if anything putting in that tube with the lower voltage would be saving your power tubes
2: so you get longer life
1: Yes. so yeah, 6V6s are only supposed to take like 400 volts max, and it looks like in a Princeton, they're already sitting at 410. Okay. In a a deluxe, they're like sitting at 425. Mm. And then, of course, when you run signal through it, that makes the voltage go up and down.
2: Right. Um,
1: Okay. Because your signal is an alternating current, and that makes the voltage go up as well as go down that's kind of that immediacy we were talking about when that voltage goes down is the capacitor that the rectifier feeds large enough to kind of give it back soon enough Mm -hmm. so and if it's a small capacitor then yeah that's where you really feel it give in like on your princeton or the smaller older amps they've just got smaller capacitors so when you try and make them amplify they'll suck tons of voltage out and there won't be as much right behind it to fill it back in wow and that's that's that sponginess
2: so is some rebiasing an amp i mean to me that's always been this kind of at least with my tube amps there's all this stuff about like don't touch anything in there you could get electrocuted even if it's not plugged in
0: i was just it, gonna say for a yeah. scary thing out there don't just start prying and
1: plodding yeah in. there's there, there there is lethal voltages i can tell you i have touched the 280 volt source um, <laughs> and I, and i'm and i'm very glad there was some current limiting resistors in my way otherwise i might not be here right or or at the very least i might have nasty burn on my hand yeah. um cuz i can tell you 280 volts does not feel fun mm. <laughs> it is a w- very weird experience yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the, there is definitely a danger still lurking inside your amp, probably when it's off.
2: Um, is that voltage yeah. is stored in capacitors and things like that? Its right?
1: capacitor is basically like a battery. You can think of it as like a battery because I mean, a, what is a battery? A battery provides DC, and that's hmm. what this capacitor is. It's you're just charging it up so it provides DC.
2: Um, so yeah. with all this. You know, if I was, is rebiasing your amp something that an amateur person could do?
1: Um, every amp tech is screaming at the screen right now, no, don't tell them they can bias their amp. But, I mean, y- y- yes, you can bias your amp. It's You're not going to kill it. I mean, most amps have a bias circuit inside that will not allow you to kill your amp. Um You know, unless it's an amp that has like the ability to do both EL34s and 6L6s, Um, unless it has that, it probably doesn't have a bias circuit that's going to like, you know, damage it should you twist that bias knob all the way in one direction or the other. Um, Open up your Hot Rod Deluxe. You see that blue knob in there for biasing it. When you turn that knob, you're like setting the the idle current going to the tubes which is kind of just like how on are they and if you turn it down your amp will get lower in volume lower in headroom and um would sound different and different maybe that's bad maybe that's good that's at a certain point it's personal preference um like i've got that book by gerald weber and Though he says, yes, there's like proper voltages to be had with biasing. At a certain point, it's kind of like just to your ear, you know. Do you like it when it sounds cold biased? Do you like it when it sounds hot biased? Neither is, you know, bad for the amp. It's just kind of how you want it set. Now, you can definitely set it in a manner where you would be hurting your amp, if not just the tubes, like limiting your tube life. Um, But most amps don't allow you to do that. So... You, you could get in there and, yeah, bias your amp, um, you know, make it a little colder so you get less headroom. If you have a Mesa, they don't even allow you to bias the amp. They don't put the parts in there to let you change it. So that way they get a little bit more of a consistent product. And also that's why they demand you use their tubes. They've kind of made sure their tubes will always hit a certain bias point. That way they kind of get that consistency and reliability.
0: By doing that, you're going to either extend the life of your tubes or suck the life out of them. So,
1: yeah, and, and but and you, you suck the life out of your tubes. Some people think that sounds really good. Like um, I know Angus Young, in his current rig, I watched his rig rundown, they were saying that they like to bias all their amps really, really hot, that Angus likes the sound of the amp when it's biased over hot. Mm. To the point that, like, yeah, they go through tubes, you know, within weeks. Right. Or maybe even a show or whatever. I mean, Eddie Van Halen also, he wanted to bias his amp hella hot, even though he did other things. Um, he liked the sound of those tubes being biased really hot. Um, if you've ever played a vox, a cathode biased vox, you're hearing an amp that is biased very, very hot. Mm um and they just kind of have a certain sound to them that kind of goes away when you bias a colder but say you know uh, you have like a 5150 or whatever uh, high gain amp those amps tend to sound better through a colder biased power section you might not want that really loud power section you might want a really cold so
0: and and when biasing um like you said, you can do it by ear, but how how would you measure that? What? Like-
1: well, so you, when you when you're biasing something, you, you would be measuring the plate current. Um, in some amps, there is a little part connected to your power tubes where you just put your multimeter across it and you set it to millivolts, and it'll tell you exactly the amount of millivolts heading to your power tubes. And for your power tubes, there is like a, a number to be achieved or our range to be achieved.
2: And so you would just twist the bias knob. Until you would just that...
1: twist that bias knob until it kind of sounds good to you. Um, and like in my amp that I'm sitting on right here, I know that that bias knob only gives me a few volts negative and a few volts positive from the center position. and That's only enough to really change like the wattage. Like this amp is at 29 watts. That's, we can uh, have a whole other conversation about wattage and amps because hmm. all, all of it's a lie. Um, but this amp is at 29 watts. And if I crank the bias, I might gain like maybe two watts. And same if I go the other direction, I might lose maybe two watts. Hmm. So, perceived volume, that's like only a tiny, tiny, tiny difference. But in terms of the character of the sound, you would definitely notice one from one end of the range to the other. Um, and then I could change a part and make that range even wider to get even larger kind of tonal palette.
2: And so you can really just set that the way that you like it, knowing that it might change the life of your tubes, but it really isn't a danger, at least on your amp too. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, it's,
2: is, is it
1: dangerous that if you put in say like the wrong tubes and then turn that thing that, yeah, some, some very bad things can happen. But a lot of amps are designed today in a way that you should be able to put the tubes in and nothing bad should happen, especially where today we can buy matched sets all the time. Mm-hmm. That was a luxury they didn't have back then or if, Back then, it was even more of a luxury than it is now. Right. Um, so, you you know you're you're pretty safe throwing in tubes into your amp, whatever they may be, and not, maybe not even having to change the bias. Yeah. You know, it might be th- just fine.
0: I'll say this: if you're comfortable with using a multimeter, awesome. If you're not, you you comfortable with using a multimeter? don't <laughs>
1: yeah as if if you're not if you're not even comfortable putting said multimeter near 400 volts um or even many amounts lower than that i mean you only need like say 40 to stop your heart or much current or whatever but yeah um it it's it's dangerous as hell in there yes it um, is you see those guys on YouTube and Instagram poking around with a chopstick. That is no, they're not messing around. <laughs> you want to be poking it with a chopstick and nothing more. Like, yeah. No, not metal chopstick. Bamboo. <laughs> wood. Plastic. Yeah. Something that won't kill you.
0: Right. Because <laughs> I'm sure we've pissed off a lot of techs. <laughs> yes, a lot of
1: techs. Yes, they don't like me telling you that, yes, biasing is not as... Um, great mythical monster as it is like Mm. it's you know it 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 needs to be checked when you put in new tubes that way everything is just so you make sure it's running fine or if you put in a bad tube you know the bias might start going crazy and you might not notice it until the amp really really fails which would be bad so right Mm. that's why you just need to check it every time but yeah
2: I mean if you have if you have a
1: cathode bias amp, you don't even there's nothing to do. You just plug in your tubes and go. Your your amp biases itself automatically. So Wow. Yeah.
2: I guess that's why you you would get something like that. You said the boxes have that?
1: Uh yeah, some boxes, um like if the older design boxes they're just about all cathode biased, which means they, they bias themselves in a different way than your Hot Rod Deluxe or your 5150 or typical Marshall or Fender amps. Um, they, they have a couple parts in a different spot that allows them to hit an even higher bias point um, and even louder, like getting those tubes as close to their maximum output limit as possible. Um, or even sometimes on the limit. Like, actually, I have a a Vox AC4. Um, It has one EL34 in it. That one EL34 is supposed to dissipate a maximum of 12 watts, and when I opened this amp up from the factory, it was dissipating a nice 14.3 watts. Um, So, yeah, it was biased hella hot, um, which is If you have an AC4 and wonder why your tubes didn't last that long, that would be why. They are running at, if not past their limit. And so Mm -hmm. it sounds great, and it sounds as loud as that tube could possibly be. Um, But yeah, it ain't going to last long. That tube that I pulled out, like the red JJ, was no longer red. It was like gray. (laughs) And I think that that tube was only like not even a couple years old, like maybe two or one year old.
2: Oh, that's a good. I wanted to ask you about that. How do you know? Is there a way to visually tell if your tubes have gone bad?
1: Um, well, if you have JJs, um,
2: they shouldn't
1: be. They shouldn't be anything other than red. If they came red, they should still be red. And if you have even like Groove tubes, I'm trying to think other companies that put red, like Ruby or um, that color should not have changed. And if it has, that means they've been cooking hot for a while. Maybe the not color, like they've been, maybe not that they've been like you know like failed or bad, but just
2: yeah. over time they wear out and they're going to need to be changed. And that's the the tubes you're you're talking about the outside of the actual glass tube.
1: Mm-hmm, the outside of the glass, yeah, where the label is printed.
2: Right, and we're talking about the. The preamp tubes or the output tubes?
1: Your preamp tubes should never go bad. Um, Okay. When I say never, that's assuming that they're not in an amp with tremolo. Uh, A tremolo will actually, like, wear down a 12AX7. But your uh, preamp tubes are being used in a manner that they should last longer than you. Okay. Uh, They should. I mean... Sometimes a phase inverted tube, that, that kind of works the hardest, so that will kind of lose its life before anything else. Um, but as far as, like, the preamp goes, those should be fine. Your power amp tubes, on the other hand, those are being run hella hot. And especially on a cathode bias amp, um, they're going to be even hotter. Um, but, yeah, it's just the the outside of that you really don't want to wait until the outside of your tube is discolored to then think, should I change my tubes? Like you should take it in. Or if you have a multimeter look online, there's definitely a bunch of resources on how to just quickly check your bias. Um, I mean how you could probably even get friendly with your amp tech and ask them to install a part. So you could just check it on your own. That way you don't need to pay them a freaking bench free every time just to unscrew the back of your amp, you know? Right. Um, and just, you know, that's all you're doing Is just checking one little thing And if it's within this range, like you're good to go You don't need to do anything
2: You yeah. know, it's that easy, that quick So when, when the tube's gone bad The voltage will be lower than it should be?
1: Uh, actually, it might, might even be higher oh, um, no. The tube might say run away Or when we say run away It means it starts to draw so much voltage and current That the parts inside will What we call red plate um, and where they will actually glow, red like a cherry, like lava.
0: Yep, I've seen it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, like it looks like your tube is like turning to lava on the inside or whatever. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's probably bad.
0: Yep. The uh, one so, time we were back to rock, and all of a sudden I smell the smell, and I'm like. Something's not um, Turn
1: the tan yeah. amp
2: around, freaking, yeah,
0: glowing cherry red. It's
2: like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's if more can... than like your typical. I mean, my amp, the tubes get that the filament inside gets.
1: Yeah, that will that will glow. That's supposed to glow, but the plate around that, like the big long gray plate, that's probably in there. It's yeah. especially long in your rectifier. Um, but yeah, like it's got like you know those four sides on it that part like right in the corner is where it'll start to glow cherry red Hmm. like hot as the coals in your fireplace yeah 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 (laughs) And that that's a bad thing you do not want that to happen to your tubes if you see that happening to your amp turn it off as fast as possible yeah (laughs) don't don't turn it back on Hmm. um because yeah something something's wrong Maybe if a tube fails, sometimes that happens. Um, And if you have, like, this this can happen to a two-tube amp. Um, If, like, one of them is red-plating, then it's probably just that tube. But if both of them are red-plating, then it's probably something worse. Like, you're by a circuit inside, or maybe even the
2: transformer's going. Who knows? But... They wouldn't go. They wouldn't wear down at the same rate. Like if you put those two no, in they, the same day.
1: No, they would wear down at the same rate. Um, but if one did fail, then one would fail way more than the other. Okay. So, um, but no, they they usually will wear down at the same time. And you know how much are like you turning on your amp?
2: I mean, I probably turn it on and use this Prince and for I don't know five hours a day. If That's, I have a gig, maybe eight hours a day.
1: Yeah. So, and and even if you're not gigging, you probably turn it on just to like jam and practice, right?
2: That's what I say. Like five hours of yeah, practice yeah. where it's on.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Those would probably last you, I don't know, a couple years. I mean, again, it depends on how it's biased. You know, if you wanted it biased really hot, you'd probably go through tubes in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted it biased really cold, you could probably make your tubes last ten years. Right. Okay. Um. As long as you, you know, we're just checking on it and making sure that it never went outside the voltages you expect. You know, like your your tube rectifier doesn't fail. Hmm. Sometimes that's like things that just happen with the rectifiers that they'll fail, and when they fail, that usually means that your power tubes will be the first thing to suffer and probably go bad. And pray that you have some type of fuse or protection in your amp to prevent other things from going bad. Yeah. Because yeah. I bet replacing your power transformer was not cheap.
2: Yeah. Fortunately for me, Fender... Oh, that's right.
1: It, it was wa- yeah. It was warranty. <laughs> that's right. Because I was just that's... about to say, the power transformer is the most expensive part. Yep. Yeah. Like, I've had to do that myself. Further than everything else in the amp. It is the most expensive part. Yeah. And like the heart of your amp. and. Yeah, you do not want that to go.
2: The fact that Fender did pay for that is definitely upped my. I mean, I've loved the sound of Fender amps, but the fact that they stood up for that, you know, they paid for Mm -hmm. that, it was like, it makes one, like, it makes you care about Fender, but (laughs) it also makes you scared to buy a used amp. I mean, Things need yeah. a lot of little parts yeah. in these I
1: mean, yeah, there's parts or whatever, but as long as you get it serviced and it's serviced properly, you know, right? Like I've read, like you know, a, a, f- a properly fused transformer should last longer than you. So, in that sense, you shouldn't need to worry about, say, old parts, old capacitors. Yes, those those are bad. Those can be really bad. Those can be hella bad. There's a part inside the amp called a death capacitor because it's just in one spot where it's like, Oh, this is hella dangerous. Let's just connect 400 volts right to the chassis. That's cool. (laughs) If it fails. Yeah. It's like, Oh no, let's not do that.
2: Actually the, the amp tech at, um, music technologies in, uh, is that Alexandria or somewhere around there? Um, Northern Virginia. When my reverb tank went out on my hot rod, he he fixed that under warranty actually, but he did switch out a bunch of capacitors. He said there were like these really cheap capacitors that Fender was using. and yeah.
1: the, the Illinois capacitors, yeah, that's they, they had to come out in mind. They, they're I guess famous or infamous for being used in these hot rods, um, Illinois capacitors. sorry to trash on you, but <laughs> you have a reputation. <laughs> that every everyone knows about it's like oh your your hot rod deluxe is making some hissing noises and random pops. Well, what do you know? Your caps are leaking, All right. and it's not even like ten years old yet your your filter caps should should last you know as long as if not maybe longer than your tubes, and if you use shitty ones, um yeah, they won't last long, and then maybe your tubes might not even last long All right so i know you said a power surge fried your amp Mm -hmm. but sometimes like filter capacitors if they go bad and left bad for too long they would fry just as much if not more Mm. so you definitely need to get those changed out.
2: don't let i'll
1: I'll say this don't let any amp tech talk you into leaving in the old capacitors you, mean, you can you can always keep them if you want to put them back to make it look like a museum piece and it's in, in its original state or whatever. Right. Um, but like those capacitors are doing a very very important job, and once they start to fail, you gotta get them out of there. Like you gotta get them out. Like I had parts in this Ampeg, random resistors that shouldn't go bad at all but because these capacitors went bad they caused these other things to go bad and it's just like more damage that didn't need to happen right chain reaction yeah pretty much
2: well
0: yeah thank you miles for coming on yeah no this problema. has been awesome
2: you i've have... learned a lot yeah
0: we'll definitely do this again and uh absolutely uh, i'll,
2: I'll try to shave
1: next time and maybe comb yeah. my hair yeah No. No.
0: I know you have some plans for the coming year in terms of things that you are working on, uh, and we will keep the audience informed. Um,
1: yep, big yeah. plans for this year. Yeah, very big
0: plans.
2: So, yeah, you want to share those big plans? It's <laughs> <There's> a secret.
0: <laughs> it's
1: see- uh, it's kind of a secret. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just say that I'm trying to. I haven't even told Aaron this. Because um, I think I, one of the last things I said to him is that I have my layout finished. Yes. No, no, I, I redid it. I redid it. <laughs> it doesn't <I> was, <laughs> surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so no, I'm trying to I'm trying to fit a bunch of, or not a bunch of rare stuff in one box, but I guess you could say I'm trying to put, say, like a Dumble and a VibraVerb in a black and a brown face. Whoa. So. Yeah, like rare tremolo, rare reverb, and a rare preamp. Yeah, so. Sounds tasty. Yeah, it's going to be very tasty. Awesome. Well,
0: we'll definitely have to follow up with you, Miles, in the future and see how it's going.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It was great to catch up. No problem. Good talking to you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, and thank you guys for all tuning in again for another episode of Fret Buzz, the podcast, and. We'll see you next week.
2: I'll see you next year.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, All right. That's right. Yeah, but by the time they hear this, it'll already be next year. That's true. That's
1: well, true. so we're time traveling? We are, we totally are time, time traveling. traveling. Yes, indeed. Oh, cool. <laughs> 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 I needed to do that. Yeah. I need to get that done sometime. Off the bucket list.
2: Time, yep. time. Yep. Done. Awesome. All right, guys. All
0: right, everybody, have yourselves a good day, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Videos.